Hello everyone and welcome to another recap race analysis here of the 2023 Vuelta España. Today was stage 10 after the rest day and as always I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audu Cycling and one third of the Echelon Cycling Podcast and I mean Patrick what happened today? Well it was going to be you know the big showdown and we're going to see a lot of GC riders taking big swings at each other to try and take time of it out of each other and this is the only individual time trial of the whole race it was just over 25 kilometers and Filippo Ganna and Remco Evenepoel were the big favorites going into today. Ganna of course set the very early benchmark because he is further down on GC and he set a very blistering time of just shy of 56 kilometers an hour and people came people went and nobody really got close to top ganon until they eventually came to the big gc fight and we rolled off the ramp we had a user we had almeida we had jonas primos and avenapool and everyone went through the time track and nobody particularly got that close to Filippo Ganna. I think the closest was Roglic and Avonapool. They were somewhere between 10 to 20 seconds behind Ganna at the first time check. And then going into the second time check, we saw that some, there were some surprising performances. Jonas was losing a kind of surprising amount of time. We also saw that Almeida was going quite fast. Vlasov was going fast as well. Eventually what was going to happen was that Ganna ended up against all apparent odds held off you know, all other challenges, and he did take the win, but there was a lot of GC action going on behind because we saw Avonapool was about 16 seconds down on Ghana, but he did put time into lots of the other GC riders like Primoz, like uh, Jonas, who, you know, Jonas wasn't on that time trialing performance that we saw back in the tour. He he ended up losing somewhere near a minute to, to Avonapool in the end. So it was a very surprising day all round, and yeah, it actually shook up the GC quite a little bit, although GC Cuss held on. GC Cuss managed to hold on to the red jersey against the might of Mark Soler, who did gain a little bit of time. But yeah, GC Cuss lives to fight another day, Scott. And yeah, there's a lot of discussion as to around, you know, how how long can GC Cuss go? The, the tactics of Jumbo Visma, considering how how Jonas did and what Avonapool's going to do as well going into this final uh, we kind of week of racing it's you know everything's up for grabs by the looks of things yeah that's very true and i mean well let's start with the winner first because i think ghana was absolutely exceptional like almost 56 kilometers an hour which was faster than rowan dennis's blistering record breaking time trial back in 2015 at the tour which was the fastest at the time but ghana this was saving in your screen it is as well to espana almost and just proving once again he is one of, if not the best time trial on his, time trialist on his day when it's not in Sterling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, when it's not in Sterling, there isn't a cobbled climb at the end of it. I think you know me and a lot of other people had Avonapool down as the favourite today, considering his recent World Championship victory over Filippo Ganna. But I don't know it looked like the course maybe it was just it was just better for Ganna today. And like you say, it does help Ineos Grenadiers a lot, especially since Garrett Thomas didn't post a very good time today either. He did have a bike change in there as well, though he he did get a puncture. Did Garrett Thomas throughout his TT? But like you say, Ganna was just extraordinary and really put you know put the, the fork back in the ground and said, I am the best time trialist in the world. And yeah, maybe we have kind of taken for granted, maybe thinking, oh, you know, Ghana might not win. You know, he hasn't been the best this year in the TTs. He won that one in Torino, but hasn't been as prolific as previous years of Ghana. But 
a very resounding victory from Ghana. You know, 16 seconds is not a, a small margin, but it's quite a resounding victory over, you know, Remco Avenepoel, who is arguably his biggest rival in the TTs at the moment, considering that, you know, that obviously the, Josh Tarling would have won this, you know. We're, we're big Josh Tarling fans. He would have obviously won this, but he is injured. So, yeah, amazing performance from Ghana today. Big, uh, big saviour for the Ineos Grenadiers, and I think that'll give them a lot of confidence considering the bad luck they've had so far in this welter. Okay, Remco Venepoel then, because uh, that was another point that he didn't win this. World Time Trial Champion, this was the first outing in that jersey as well. We know the... The murmurs of Curse of the Rainbow jersey, it's not exactly like anything really hindered him. He was on the same time there or thereabouts with Ghana after the climb. But we think that maybe the climb favoured Remco Evenepoel and then Ghana just blitzed everyone on the second half of the course. So Remco can't be disappointed with this. He took time on all his rivals. He didn't just didn't win the stage. In the grand scheme of things, Ghana's irrelevant uh, for the welter. Espana GC battle. Especially since Remco's not exactly needing that first victory in this Vuelta either because he's already, you know, he got that stage quite early on as well. So he's kind of nerves or his want for that stage victory in this Grand Tour has already been settled in a way. But I guess, you know, a victory would have been nice. But like you say, in the grand scheme of things, Ghana isn't important for the GC game. Avonapol did put time into all of his other competitors today and that is at the end of the day the biggest kind of victory that he can take and you know these weren't small margins you know like like I said earlier you know the, he, he gained on Primoz Roglic he was the closest guy to him but he put more significant time into guys like you know like a Kuss or like a like a Garden stuff although you know except Kuss does currently still lead Remco has pretty much slashed that lead in half to what it was at the beginning of today I mean we might as well stay with Jumbo Visma as well, because you were quite intrigued by this. We didn't have Jonas Vingel on Tour de France form. What are they doing now? Is it all in, all hands on deck for Primoz Roglic? And Sepkus is just kind of a, I don't even know. It's it's a strange position. I, there's not many teams that have been in this position before having like a super domestique leading a Vuelta Espana or a Grand Tour this deep into it. It could be a little bit problematic, couldn't it? Because Sepp Kuss, being the leader of the race, Jumbo Visma don't want to set pace for a Primoz Roglic attack to basically attack his own teammate. When that might not work out, what if what if Remco ends up being better than them and then they've just kind of dropped both of their leaders? So it's a bit tricky as to how they're going to play this. I think that probably what's going to happen is we've got a Tourmalet in a couple of days, I think that Jonas, considering that he dropped time today, you know, he dropped a minute, I think, on on Avenapool, about 40-ish seconds, I want to say, on on Roglic. You know, he might be a bit more of a domestique role, possibly. We have seen him riding more in front of, a, of, of Roglic in the climbs and pacing a bit more. I think that Sepp Kuss is going to be given the chance to hold on to this for as long as he can. But if he gets dropped, he isn't going to be expecting help to try and bring him back. I reckon that if he drops and Roglic is still there, then they then they go with Roglic. But it is a tricky scenario that we got to try and balance is Jumbo Visma, you know, trying to play the very balanced game of, you know, we need to basically try and swap the leadership from Sep to Roglic without either catastrophically losing out. That's going to be a very fine game to play. And, you know, maybe that's where Avonapur can try and you know, play on that to see if he can, 
you know, abuse that strategy against them, possibly. You know, I reckon that it could be quite intriguing to see how Jumbo will play this out. I mean, the other team that are in the same role is your team Emirates with Mark Soler, Ayuso, Almeida. It looked like Almeida had the upper hand on Ayuso today. But, yeah, what do they do? Mark Soler probably wants to keep writing for his own opportunities here. I would certainly want to. Yeah, yeah. I, and you were saying on when we were on the stream that, you know, Soler is going to want to try and hold on to this. This is probably the best GC performance that we've seen from him in a grand tour. There's no way that he would want to just fall into a domestique role. And, you know, by the looks of things, he hasn't really been doing that on any of the road stages anyway. He's kind of been more of a, a freelance sort of role. But yeah, it's very tricky because, again, They've got Almeida and Ayuso, and they're both on very similar times now after today, since considering that Almeida gained a bit of time back on, on Ayuso as well. Because they got three riders in the top 10. That's a really good performance from UAE. And I think Finn Fisher-Black was inside the top 15 as well. So really good from UAE all round. But again, they're also in a very tricky scenario. But like I've said before, I don't feel like they particularly work as like a completely cohesive unit. They are quite, you know, individual riders all doing their own sort of thing. So I think that their strategy is not going to be as complicated as Jumbo Visma's. Well, we might as well touch on Bora Hansgrohe as well with Blazov and Autobrooks. And it looked like today, at least, uh, Blazov had the upper hand on his younger teammate. Yeah. I mean, quite re resoundingly so. Blazov finished 52 seconds down on Filippo Ganna, but Eiterbrooks finished quite far down in the order. He finished 35th, 2 minutes and 35 seconds down at the end of the day. So, you know, that's a minute and 40 he's shipped to Alexander Vlasov. So in theory, that means that, you know, Vlasov is the favoured son currently in Bora, considering his, you know, more favourable GC position. But, you know, anything can still happen in this race. Anybody can crash and... I don't feel like we've seen the end of Ita Brooks. I certainly think that maybe this TT isn't, you know, this wasn't a strong TT from him. It might be something that they have to look at a little bit more if he's going to be their kind of GC prospect for the future. Because, you know, Vlasov wasn't the best time trialist, you know, a few years ago, but he worked on it and he has got very much, you know, he's got much better at it. And as a consequence of that, he's, you know, finished fifth today. So I think that Bora will be looking more towards Vlasov now. I think that he's looking really strong. So, yeah, perhaps a little bit easier for Bora to decide how they're going to play their leadership cards now. I mean, the big loser on the day was basically Mikael Lander. Landissimo looks like he has just died today. He's outside top 10. Um, yeah. We can't really add too much to this, I think. Just, yeah, he was kind of there because of the breakaway, but... I think he's just getting ready for next year, to be honest. Getting ready for next year and helping Remco Avenepoel to do well at the Tour de France. Yeah. But anyways, that's it for our recap race analysis here of stage 10, the time trial. And uh, make sure to comment down below who you think is going to win the Vuelta España. And hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new here. And of course, as always, thank you for watching and we will see you around.